Hello, and welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Christine Daynard, and the goal of this podcast is to encourage you to live your best and most authentic life by digging deeper and finding connection through vulnerability. I believe we have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness when in fact it is our superpower. In this space, I will share personal stories and conversations with others so you can be empowered by their strength and inspired to take action in your own life. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Well, welcome back to the State Out Loud podcast. You are here with me, Christine D, and I have a really amazing guest I want to introduce you to. First thing I'm going to say is I'm a little extra nasal today because I'm getting over a head cold, so bear with me. This is my sexy nasal voice that you have today. Yay, good for you. You're welcome. Uh, so I am chatting today with Alicia Sanchez, who I'm super excited to talk with. Um, I've actually known Alicia for a long time. Funny enough, we met when my son was about a year old and we took a learn to row program through the heart and stroke foundation and through different weaves and bobs and the way that life has taken us in different directions. Um, we have somehow managed to stay in contact in whatever way possible and kind of have been following each other's journeys for some time. And I'm really excited to see that Alicia has taken a new turn in her life and is doing something that's really been calling to her from her heart. So we're going to share about Alicia's story. But first, I'm going to ask Alicia if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little introduction. What are you all about? And uh, maybe just tell us what you've been up to and what brought you to where we are today. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, well, hello, everybody. Yeah. It's so nice to be here with you, by the way. It's been a while since we've seen each other and we got a little catch up before this podcast, which was amazing. So I'm super excited to be here. So a little bit about me is you, just in a nutshell, I grew up in a really small town in New Hamburg, which is just outside Kitchener-Waterloo. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. And I had an uncle in the family, a great uncle that used to call it New Hamburger to be really... <laughs> funny and we'd always like pretend to laugh because we were just like eh, it's obvious <laughs> New Hamburg <laughs> yeah. but it was a really small town and I grew up most of my life there I actually immigrated to Canada from the states I was born in the states and so from the age of four basically till I was out of high school lived in New Hamburg and it was a really cute sleepy little town and I would highly recommend raising your kids there like you're in Wellesley now so you get it Wellesley's very similar yep. to New Hamburg and yeah so I had a great childhood I loved growing up there I loved the whole energy of you know being in a really quiet town being able to walk the streets feel very safe so that was my upbringing but um, then eventually I came to Kitchener-Waterloo because I went to college at Conestoga and took a design course there and started my my life as an adult in Kitchener-Waterloo and I've kind of been here ever since um, oh. So yeah, it's just been this little journey of not going far from home. <laughs> uh, didn't have money to travel abroad to go to school. So Conestoga was a perfect fit. I could see my mom and she's a single parent like you and yeah. I'm an only child. So if I moved away for college, my mom would have been devastated. So <laughs> it worked for everybody. It was perfect financially and, you know, for emotional support. Yeah, for absolutely. Leaving the nest. Yeah. <laughs> so now, so then maybe tell our listeners, what did you take in college mm -hmm. and uh, what did you find yourself doing? doing as you left college? Yeah, so I went to school for graphic design and advertising, which was a highly sought after program at Conestoga College. There were 
highly competitive and I knew someone who was in the course from my high school so I had a bit of intel and I would go to the actual college and visit her and say what do I need to get into this course tell me all the things I need to know that we had a portfolio we had to bring there was an interview portion we had to talk about our work so I just needed to know what they wanted to see from me and I tailored everything to a T so that I had the best opportunity possible to get in and a lot of people would apply and not get in on their first try second try third try I got in on my first try because of that so I was super grateful to this friend who was able to give me that tip and I was so grateful to get in on my first try and wanted to get going wanted to start my future was ready to leave the nest I was that kid that was like you know what I'm I need to be on my own I want to be independent you know my mom did everything right like she raised me to be an independent person um but then I I think she realized maybe a little too independent because then once I was gone, she was like, you never talk to me anymore. (laughs) I was like, well, Uh, I'm busy, mom. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, then that's like the first of, you know, your real life, right? Yeah. Once you get out of college, it's like, okay, like I'm an adult now. So I want to do the things I want to do. And it's like you break away from, you know, all those things that you once knew and want to create your own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was super excited. So I had my own little apartment living with a friend, Uh, all of the design kids that we went to school with. We lived together, basically. So other grades, we all kind of get to know each other. So we were really tight knit group in college. And it was amazing experience. And that was still when before computer labs were a thing for classrooms, we had our own dedicated workspace at school, which was amazing. So every day you went in, you had your own desk with all your personal items on it every single day. So that was super special. It was It was different than high school even. You don't have that in high school. Yeah, no, for sure. So that was like, I still keep in touch with all of my college friends that we met in school and my high school friends for that matter. Like I I make friends for for life, basically. It seems that way. So I'm going to have, I have a question. Yeah. The question is, what inspired you to go into the design and advertising course in the first place? Was That's a good question. Yeah. What was it that lit the fire for you about that? Yeah, you know, in high school, they put so much pressure on you to know what your future path is going to be. Which and is crazy, let's just It's say. insane. Yeah, I don't believe in that at all. I think you should give kids a little bit of space to try as many things as possible and explore different avenues. I wish, looking back, my only regret really is that I didn't take a year off after high school mm. just to explore and try and find myself a little bit more. So I had, a, I felt this pressure from society, from my peers, from my parent, like anybody, everybody, it wasn't just one person, this pressure to know mm-hmm. what to do yeah. and to make the right decisions. And I just couldn't afford university. All my friends were going to university. That's when OAC was still a thing. And it was like, oh, you have to. Like, there was almost a sense of you're not intelligent enough unless you go to university. Oh it was God. sort of looked down upon yeah, like to go to a trade school or go to college. And I didn't subscribe to that. I thought, no, like, I don't care where I go as long as it's the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. So I already had a little inkling about following my truth or following what I felt was right for me. But you're young, like you, you don't know. So anyway, I ended up taking a bunch of courses. I took automotive classes. I took drafting. I I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to know how to like do everything and anything. I took a graphic design course in my high school. I actually had that capability there was a teacher um Mr. Vary who had a graphics course and I was so excited by that and I even entered into a logo competition and won so in high school I had a bit of a dopamine hit of 
having some success in the arts world and graphic design especially. And I knew my two top courses were math and art. Very odd, right? Not a lot of kids Actually, I think excel. That's common. I think is that, it? I think that is fairly common. Nobody I knew at the time was was like that. It was either you're all right brain or you're all left brain and mm. you kind of excel on one side or the other. And I was kind of doing a little bit of both. And I started analyzing that and thinking like, ah, oh, if I go into architecture, I have to go to university. If I go into graphics, it's cheaper and it's college and I don't have any money because I grew up not poor necessarily, but definitely paycheck to paycheck household. So, you know, you didn't know from month to month, like how well you were doing. And I was very aware of that growing up. And my mom did a great job at not making me feel like we were living paycheck to paycheck. But you know, there's times where it's like, okay, like we don't have groceries, like we're living off of condiments and and bread or whatever, you know, like there were days like that. And then when we would get groceries, it would just be like, oh my God, it's like Christmas. Like we just got all the food in the world. And then we would just gorge ourselves for one day just because it felt so great to have food in the house again. You know, it was that kind of um, upbringing. And and you know what, but I also want to just like, as you're saying that, you know, I can relate because I've been a single mom since my, or actually technically a 50-50 parent to my son since he was about a year and a half old. Mm -hmm. Now it's more like 70-30 has been for some time, but for the most part it was 50-50. But even then it was like, you're doing everything on your own and it's really hard. So like, it sounds, I know your mom gave you loads of love and gave you lots of integrity and lots of great values and so many great things. But I'm glad that you brought that up because not everybody has the means to go into school or, you know, make the connection that I can just go and do anything because sometimes that can limit you from a fairly young age, depending on, you know, what kind of economic background you come from. So exactly. And I have to give credit to my mom. Like she did an amazing job of instilling confidence that I could do anything. And I'm so grateful for that because I did, I took all the courses. I did all the things because I didn't feel like I would be judged. And I also had an amazing group of friends in high school that were incredibly accepting of everybody. And it wasn't a catty drama filled kind of group. We were all super chill. Everyone was sort of just friends. Like we had, we had close groups of friends, but also friends outside of that, that we had just kept branching out our friend group. So I just, I love those people. I'm still friends with them. And I just had a bunch of my high school friends over for a get together a few weeks ago. Like, so yeah. Wow. That's great. Also doesn't surprise me because I'm sure our listeners can already feel like I find in your presence, you're so easygoing and you're so great to be around. Like I don't feel ever judged by you. I feel always accepted by you. And even just from the very first day that we met in rowing club, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, on the Grand River, in Kitchener, which is uh, an experience in itself. Uh, You know, I recommend that for sure. It's definitely skill building. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mentally, physically. It was a blast, though. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, but you definitely have this impact on people. You have this free, loving, sort of easy way about yourself. So I can appreciate. I, I often feel that way. I feel like I'm a hippie, but I don't present myself outwardly in that typical hippie yeah, girl, sense of the word the modern hippie. yeah and the modern hippie <laughs> yeah hashtag modern hippie yeah absolutely absolutely so 
so so you basically uh, found yourself in design and advertising. Mm -hmm. And it seems like from what you've been saying, it's like there was definitely the creative aspect is what drew you. It's not like you wanted to go and become a mathematician or an accountant or, uh, you know, any like a doctor or a nurse. It was like the creative side was always there for you by the sounds of it. Always, always creative. I was a very crafty person growing up. And my mom, even my grandparents instilled that crafty kind of artistic essence in me um and my aunt and my cousin like I have a lot of creative people in my family that were inspirational to that and I just remember spending a lot of time especially with my grandparents growing up and my grandfather had a woodworking shop in his garage and my grandmother like he would cut all the things and make all these cool things but she would paint them and decorate them and then they would sell them Mm. so they had this little side hustle of making (laughs) they were these cute little cow like piggy banks and then they had like a musical little like thing that when you put the coin in it would play music every time Mm. and they looked like little you know Holstein dairy cows and she would paint them all like it and I would help her and I just thought that was the coolest thing that was the cat's meow I was just like oh they're doing all these fun things and my mom yeah so I had all of that instilled in me at a young age and throughout growing up but then when I got to high school I had this dilemma of I really like technical things. I love being precise and having Mm. detail-oriented tasks, but I also like the freedom and the space to imagine and create and develop something from just whatever. Mm. And I was looking for an industry that had that balance of the two because I was already self-aware enough to know that much. I thought, well, what industry is out there that I can actually make a living? Because everyone talks about art being not a lucrative career option Mm -hmm. and that you're wasting your time and you'll never make a life for yourself on that type of industry. And I didn't believe that. I didn't subscribe to that. I thought, no, there's got to be something out there. And Mm -hmm. then this graphic design thing popped up and I thought, okay, here is something that is very technical, but also creative. Mm -hmm. And I just ran with it. I went full full steam ahead. A lot of people say, once I make up my mind, I'm very tenacious and I will give it a hundred percent. And it's true. I am a hundred percent or nothing. Like I, that's my downfall, but it's also my, my glory in some sense of the word. I can relate. I can relate a lot because when I'm really not into something, I know for sure it's a hell no. Yeah. But when I'm really into something and I really want to do it, it's a hell yes. Right. So absolutely. All or nothing. I I think there are a lot of people that fall into that category. So you're not alone. (laughs) Yeah. So when I tell you I went in, I went in hard and I was giving it, I was serious. I was like, no, I paid for this program at Conestoga. I am in it. I am going to give it whatever I've got. And I think a lot of that is perfectionism too. I have that in me. I don't know where I got it from. It's a curse. It's a blessing. But (laughs) You learn to work with it. And I think at that age, I was still very much like, oh, I need to need to be doing all the right things so that the perception is that I have my shit together, mm. <laughs> so to speak, right? Interesting how that, because I think that plays a role for a lot of people. And, and you're talking about perfectionism and, you know, it's like, really, if you think about it, nothing is perfect. Nothing. Right? So it's funny how because I am not a perfectionist, I wouldn't say, but I have perfectionist tendencies Mm. where it's like, I can't do that thing unless it's just right. Mm -hmm. If I'm not ready, if it's not, if it's not ready to go, then I can't possibly put it out there. And I don't know about you now, but I am certainly learning and living, doing things in imperfection because 
honestly, you learn so much that way. You do. And you, I find that when we wait for the right moment, the right moment may never come. That's right. Right? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying because I had to learn that the hard way, going through a lot of different life experiences, realizing I can't control anything, really. Mm. I have no control. All I can do is control my reaction to what's happening to me. And that's true for friendships. That's true for your career. That's true for everything. And as soon as I, that clicked in my head, I was like, oh, like I have the control, but I, it's just my reaction. It's how I think. It's how I feel that I'm controlling, not the physical things. For me, it was always outward. It was like, I have to control all the things around me. I have, like, I used to organize my closet by color coding system so that it was like perfect little rainbow. And I used to like organize all my CDs. For those of you that don't know what CDs are, you know, (laughs) I'm not old. I'm dating myself. But my CDs and tapes, according to like alphabetize or like whatever music genre, like I had a system. It was a bit of OCD maybe. But But that's... But coming back to that precision, Yeah. you know, it's funny because even earlier you were saying well, I was into math and art and that doesn't make sense and I'm like well actually it does for you because you have this precision and the artistic and you're yeah. blending the two together yes so it actually makes sense that you were drawn to math and art as a kid it made a lot of sense to be in graphics because that's exactly what it is it's yeah. a very technical art form yeah yeah but what I didn't realize is when I was in school I was I was loving it school was an amazing experience I was flourishing I just felt so amazing in that space and and being that creative and being free to create but what I didn't bargain for was the other side of of what graphics would bring is the customer side Mm. the pleasing other people and also accepting judgment which Mm. for someone who's a bit of a perfectionist well extreme perfectionist back then (laughs) a bit now I've, I've learned to like let that go a little at the time, it was kind of crushing in a way to accept that much judgment, even though it was constructive criticism. At the time, it felt like judgment. Oh, yeah. And it feels negative, right? So when you're learning to deal with negative comments or negative thoughts or people just saying, oh, I don't really like that, and you just poured 100 hours of your effort into it, it just feels so soul crushing. And it just kind of, you're just like, oh, like, I just want to be creative. I just want to do what feels good. And then this person or these people are telling me that's not good. Like, I don't get it or they don't get me or I can't just be myself and just be true to who I am. And so I grappled with that even in school, which should have been my first red flag, really, Mm. like looking back Mm. of like, oh, if I'm having a hard time dealing with all this, is this the right thing for me? And I was already feeling that in school. Interesting. But you know what? I think that <clears throat> that self-awareness comes with age and experience, mm-hmm. right? So you can reflect on that now. But at the time, I mean, you just didn't have the awareness of the ability to really notice that as a red flag. Those are, those are things that we learn as we go. Yeah. Because I just thought I wasn't tough enough. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just need to toughen up. I just need to get a thicker skin. But mm. then, you know, time goes by. And then I started to realize... Maybe it's not a tough skin that I need. Maybe I'm just inherently not not made for this type of environment. Because like you said, I am a bit of a free spirit. I want to be, you know, bringing the light, bringing the joy. I want to bring constructive conversations. I want to make sure that I'm helping people. Like helping people was a huge element of my being. That was going back to New Hamburg. Like everybody in such a small community and a lot of church-going folks, they 
help each other. Mm-hmm. That's the community. That's right. And if you needed help, there would be somebody, a stranger on the street that would be there to help you. So I definitely had a hard time moving from New Hamburg to even Kitchener-Waterloo felt like a big city to me at the time. Mm. And to be honest, like city people had a different way of being, a different way of operating that I just wasn't accustomed to. I wasn't used to. And it took me some adjusting. Well, and the thing is too, like as a creative person, you're creating something because it's in you to create that thing. Mm -hmm. But when you have somebody who you're working on behalf of a client for, and you're constructing something on their design requirements, that is a very different thing, right? I'm almost surprised that they don't prepare you in school for that because, or maybe they do now, I don't know, but they do. They definitely okay, try to. Good. Yeah, that's good. But it doesn't really hit home until you get your in first it. job. Yeah, until you're in it. Yeah, because it's still sort of make-believe in school, right? It's all just made-up scenarios. But we did have a few actual clients come through and give us real jobs. Hmm. But it, somehow it didn't feel as weighted in school because it still felt like, oh, you're getting a grade and no one's really judging you on whether you got an A or a C. Like, you still pass right. at the end of the day, right? But when you're working in the real world, you know, like with real (laughs) clients and, you know, you have an actual career and people are, have expectations that you have to meet. And sometimes those expectations don't necessarily coincide with your values. Mm. And I, I just, I had that realization of like, oh, wow, like this isn't with what I would do in this scenario because I would maybe approach a little softer and then I would get comments you know, oh, you need to be a little bit more forthright or you need to be a little bit more assertive or confident. And I honestly felt very confident in what I was doing throughout my career, but it was the judgment and the fear. It was really fear-based, the fear of other people's judgment of my approach or creativity or my output was really difficult for me throughout my career. Well, and it's really interesting how, you know, I, I think I have like extra hearing when people use the words should have Mm. to must because those are things that we're projecting onto somebody else it's like if you read a job ad and it it will list a variety of things that you must be in order to meet the qualifications for that job and I would say at least 40 to 50% of the time, actually much greater than that. I don't know what the numbers are. Why don't I even try with numbers? But I would say a good majority (laughs) of people would not ever be able to qualify for all of those categories. It's like, you know, you have to have these skills to do this thing, but we also need you to basically be a master of all things Mm -hmm. and do all these things really well, because that's what we need from you. And I don't know when in the world that started to happen, but it, I think it really messed us up. You have to be a jack of all trades rather than a a specialist at one or two things. Right. It's almost like, uh, multitasking. No, no, actually as human beings, we are single taskers. Yes. Period. <laughs> yeah, you can't be amazing at everything. That's, right. that's just not feasible. That's right. So We're not an, perfect. I, I think I'm bringing light to that too because I think this is something that so many people face, and certainly in our generation, and if not the generations that that are coming up today, where we hear a lot of this, those words should, have to, must, they shouldn't exist. I say the word shouldn't, mm-hmm. but we are here for whatever gifts that we bring, right? As opposed to, we don't have to fit all of these criteria of everybody else. Mm-hmm. We're here for that signature thing that we bring. So absolutely. anyway, so continuing from there, so you ended up in the career world. You don't have to say where you worked, but you know, um, 
you're clearly doing something different now. So I would love to know, sort of like, let's lead us up to, you've been in the design and advertising industry for a while. And as we were chatting previous to the podcast uh, or recording this episode, you know, you were saying like, I kept kind of looking for where I fit into this industry. Do you want to kind of maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I just felt I was working at a bunch of different types of jobs. There's agencies, you can work in-house in a graphic design department, you can freelance, do your own thing, you could teach, you can, you know, there's so many different types of careers within the graphic design world. And and to be clear, I didn't really go into advertising. I stuck mainly to graphic design. And I really got into digital design and a lot of um, user experience type stuff. So that was a sought after career at the time. There weren't a lot of people doing it, especially in KW. And so I thought, okay, great. Here's a niche. So I went down that road and I tried teaching at Conestoga College on some digital classes there. Like I did everything because I was searching for the right fit. And I felt like I was in love with my industry. I didn't want to leave it because I'd already invested so much time and effort Mm. and so many hours into crafting my experience and getting to the level in which I was making a really great income because growing up the way I did, I had this fear of living that way as an adult. And I would do anything to do whatever I had to do to not be in that situation. There was fear driving my decisions at the end of the day, which I was fully aware of throughout the years. But I just felt like, well, this is just what I have to do. I have to just keep sticking with it and see if I can find the right niche within my industry because maybe I just haven't found the right one yet. Mm. And then fast forward 20 years, I, I felt like I exhausted every niche that you could possibly explore. And I'm talking like throughout all that time, I'd have moments or even years in between different shifts of different roles of like, self-exploration and being like what where what's my purpose where am I supposed to be like should I do this should I do that and I learned so many things along the way I wouldn't change that for the world because I I gained so many different skills and so many different techniques of how to approach things that are invaluable I can apply that to anything but it was hard it Mm. was such a struggle and my friends, I'm so sorry to, you know, who you are, like listening to me complain about not knowing my path, not understanding why I wasn't happy in the roles that I was in, even though, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to everything, but I just felt so weighted by this thing and I couldn't put my finger on it. It was like, I know something's wrong, but honestly don't know where to go I don't know how to change it Hmm. and I was like I need a sign you know like (laughs) (laughs) you see that in the movies (laughs) and I actually just want to bring like I don't want to stop you but I want to I want to pause just for a second because you know you mentioned something that I think so many people can relate to is that I started this, I went to school, I paid for my education, I have worked this hard in this industry, I have put in my time, Mm -hmm. I am making good money, why can't I be happy with this? And I don't want to, quote, air quotes, waste this, because I've spent so much time here. And I think, like, I literally have goosebumps saying that out loud, because I know that that connects with so many people, because we somehow have this idea in our mind that we have to make this decision as a teenager 
what we're going to be for the rest of our life. Yeah. And then we go out there and we try to get it. And then we keep trying on all these different suits to see which one fits better. And then you hit a certain point. And funny enough, I've met a lot of people in their 40s who are like, what am I doing here? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. oh, this is not where I expected to be. It's like, is this midlife crisis? Maybe this is midlife crisis. But I don't oh, yeah. even think it's a crisis. I think yeah. it's like midlife blooming, midlife reawakening. <laughs> I like that. Right? Let's change that. Yes. Yeah. It's like this, oh my gosh, let me just sit down and think for a second about all this time I've spent not regretting, but building a career I don't even love. And at the end of the day, I'm not fulfilled. Yeah. And how do I get that? You know, and like you and I were talking uh, again, prior to us recording this episode about how we often are so looking outside of ourselves to find what we're supposed to do. And so I feel like the next part of our conversation is where you started to make this transition. I have done all this work. I'm still not happy. What is it about what I'm doing and what do I really want to be doing? So maybe paint a picture for us as you left the career in graphic design. Um, what led you to make that decision and what led your heart moving forward from there? Mm-hmm. So the pandemic <laughs> hit everybody. What, what pandemic? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember a pandemic. <laughs> I don't, it's like a blur, but no, really. Like <laughs> Everybody Seriously. went through some sort of change during uh, the pandemic, right? Then, yep. And that really was a catalyst in, in a lot of ways, which I'm sure everyone feels on, on some level. And I just felt working at home for me was a struggle because of a lot of the same reasons other people feel like you're trapped inside your home. You can't really go out all of that stuff, but I'm also working or working in the same industry as my partner, my husband. And at the end of the day, you talk shop, you, it's just, it was never ending. We were just constantly talking about work. And then eventually we got to the point where we were like, we need to stop. Like we need to cut this off. It's five 30. We're done. You know, let's not talk about work anymore. So a couple of years of that and it just felt very heavy like there was nothing else to life other than work mm. and we did that to ourselves we could have controlled that better but we didn't we just kind of got lost in that shuffle of oh we're working from home we're literally just like taking two minute breaks in between other things we don't really take a lunch like we created a lot of that environment and I especially was bad about that I could have been doing more sure but I think too like I think that first of all there'd be a lot of people that will relate to that as well but I think that you're also um you know now you're stuck at home so it's not like in the pandemic it wasn't just I work from home it's you're stuck at home. We're stuck. So you are forced against the wall. You are home and you have deadlines to meet and you have clients to meet requirements for. You have all this work to do and a boss to, you know, report to. And it, I think, like you're saying, it made so many people go, whoa, like vroom, microscope. Why am I doing this? Yes. So now that I'm stuck at home and I'm doing this thing, I'm not happy. Yeah. Because I knew I wasn't happy before the pandemic hit, but I was making the concession for the income Mm. because it allowed me to do other things that I was very passionate about. I am very passionate about traveling and experiencing new things, which I think looking back now was sort of 
the compensation for not enjoying my career. It was like, okay, like I'm doing this to make money so that I can go and live my life the way I want to when I'm not at work. Like a weekend warrior. Yeah, weekend warrior, 100%. And so I was living off of that. It was sort of like living off the scraps in the garbage of like, okay, like what's good in here? I can just pull from these little things. I think so many people are listening to this episode right now and they are nodding their heads in agreement. Yeah. This is something that we have developed, especially in North America, this has become, I think it's an, it's an epidemic of its own, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyways, I, I'm sorry, I keep uh, stopping you from telling us. So No, so that just basically came crushing down on me during the pandemic because it was like, I don't have that travel. I don't have the ability to go out and do those things to feed my soul mm. in the ways that I'm not getting through my career. And it just, I was forced to face that emotion. And then I turned 40 Mm. and I thought, okay, the pandemic's getting a little less strict and people are going out and doing things. So I thought we'll have a backyard party. I'll invite all my friends. We'll do a 40th birthday thing. And then I had a lot of friends there that were feeling like, oh, I'm just not happy in my career. And I, what's the point of life? If you can't enjoy your family, if you can't go and do the things you want to do and feel joy and feel happiness and feel like you're living your life, then what's the point to life, right? And it just really hit home. And I, I was literally like, I am, I am such an idiot. How did I not see this sooner? Like I just, I was punishing myself essentially for, taking so long to realize Mm. that I needed to change like in a big way not just in these little microscopic kind of shifts that I was making and I just realized like I gotta I gotta flip things up I got I'm having a midlife crisis (laughs) like I am literally breaking down and having to rebuild myself emotionally because of this conversation and (laughs) And they don't even know that I was feeling all of that. I told them after the fact, I was like, that conversation at my birthday party, like, was the pivotal point for me to decide, no, enough is enough. Alicia, what what are you doing? <laughs> you don't have your stuff together. You're not, you're not where you thought you were. You, you were ignoring these signals and these little signs for all this time. And looking back, I feel so foolish because I can see the signs. I'm like, wow, that was a red flag. And that was a red flag. These were all things adding up that were the universe telling you that this, this career or this life that you've chosen for yourself work-wise wasn't necessarily the right path for you. Mm. But you know what? The thing is, I think that this is the reason I do this podcast is because so many people feel like they can't admit or talk about or bring to light that they're feeling like they've spent all this time toward this thing that's not what they want anymore. And there's no proof out there of other people talking about the same thing. Right. So we feel super alone in that, you know, uh, change and that shift in that, oh my God, like we literally, there was like a little feather. It's kind of like Oprah talks about this, right? There's like this little, and you're like, oh, what was that? Oh. Oh, anyway. Yeah, easy to ignore and keep moving. And then there's a feather and it's like kind of drops in your shoulder and you're like, oh, blow that off. Okay, no worries. And you keep on going and then it's a tap on the shoulder. And then it's like a full on like nudge or push of your body. And then literally the whole, all the walls come crashing down. And it's not until that moment that we go, holy shit, why did it take this long for me to hit this? Yeah. And I'm telling you, I'm sure you already know this, but if you don't, and for anyone listening right now, you are not alone for feeling like that. 
I would say so many of us hit that wall. I've hit it myself a few times. Right. Even just recently in closing my business, my small business, it, it, it was the same thing. Took a little less time to, you know, let the wall come crashing down, but still the wall had to come crashing down first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I just want to acknowledge you and, you know, hold space for that for you because so many of us have come to that point and that seems to be where the revelation sort of comes in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the heart of it too, I I knew for a long time that I really just wanted to put something out into the world that was just from me. Mm. That was just mine Mm -hmm. because for so long I was doing it for other people's approval to say, yes, check that box, like it. Here's your compensation. Thank you. Have a nice day. And that was the validation I was getting. But my heart yearned to put something out there that was just to put something out there for people to enjoy. And if you enjoy it, amazing. That makes me feel great. But if you don't, and that that's also okay, because it's just for me. It's just mine to give. And I was craving that so desperately. Mm. And I kept kind of pushing that down and pushing it aside because I had gotten to the point where I couldn't even look at a blank page or a canvas or anything that had that was just the page on its own and be able to create something because I didn't have parameters to do it. I didn't have someone saying, oh, it has to meet this criteria in order for you to create. Like I had gotten so blocked creativity wise mm. that I couldn't just create something out of just whatever came to my mind anymore and that scared me that scared me so so much and I just thought wow like when I was young I used to be able to just it would just pour out of me I would just literally be everything would be created I would draw on my shoes I would draw on my hands I would I would be constantly doing something creative throughout the day even not even intentionally just because it had to come out of my body it just had to come out of my head and now I'm at this point where I physically am so blocked and creatively blocked I can't do anything and I just thought this is not who I want to be this is not this is not who I thought I was this whole time I didn't realize I'd gotten this bad and then the other thought on the other side of my head was like everyone has this coined phrase of like find what you love and then make that you know find a way to make money doing what you love Mm -hmm. And I thought I did that because I love art and I love being creative. And here I am making money doing it, but I don't love it. Mm. And then I was like, well, now what? Like, that's what everyone says to do. And I think I did that. So now what? And I had to really look inward and think, okay, like, it's not just about finding something you love and making money. It's about really understanding what what is important to you? What is it that really means the world to you and are sort of like your guiding principles Mm. in, in just in life. And for me, it was obviously being creative, but also helping people and having a sense of community because it goes back to my childhood. And the other thing is, is being, being in some sort of learning environment where I'm constantly being forced to learn things. I love learning. If I could go to school full time and that be my career, I would be happy as a clam. Like I know a lot of people don't don't say that. They don't love school, but I loved it. High school, college, like I was flourishing. That was like the best time of my life. So I need to be learning. I need to be challenged. I need to always have something to aspire to and overcome in order to stay interested because I get shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. I see something and I'm like, oh, that's shiny. Let's go over there. Try that. Oh, this is. And then I never really finish anything. Mm. 
because I get distracted if it's not engaging or keeping my attention yeah. or making me learn. Yeah. So I knew those things about me and I just thought I need to find something that has all those things. And so, you know, going back to some of the other podcasts that you've already talked to some of the guests and they've said this before where they just tried things during the pandemic and lots of people try things like cooking if they never cooked before or doing that, you know, learning a new language or whatever. So I took a pottery course once things started opening up a little bit and I had taken pottery courses before, but it never really stuck. It was more just like a weekend warrior type thing of like, oh, this is just something creative outside. But this was something I took time off of work during the week in the middle of the day to go and do. It wasn't like a cram this in after work at night or on the weekends. It was, no, I'm going to dedicate time to just be creative in a different way, Mm -hmm. in a different medium and do something that's with my hands. Because as a kid working with my grandfather in his woodworking shop or painting with my grandmother or doing FEMO art with my mom, like hand things that are tactile that you can feel and that you can get a reaction and have a relationship while you're being creative is everything. Mm. It just puts you in a different mindset. It calms you. It gets you in this sense of you forget about what's happening around you and you're just focused on what you're doing. And they call it getting in the zone, right? Mm. You're in the zone. And I was like, yeah, I just want to feel that again. I just want to feel whatever that was. And this, this course was like a Tuesday and I was, as soon as I got there, it was just like a weight came off my shoulders. It took me like a lot of work to get there because, you know, you still have obligations at work, but then you're like, once I'm there, it was just like things melted. I just relaxed. My shoulders came down and I felt like, oh my God, like this is what other people do. Other people on a Tuesday in the sunshine do other things. Like it just, I don't know why it just hit me so hard. I thought, I want to be this person more. I want to do this more. Mm. And it was almost like addictive of like, oh wow. Like just any day of the week, I could be doing some other kind of work. And to me, that was just like the bee's knees. Like I just felt like so, I felt like glow. Yeah. And you were leaning into how you felt about what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Not what is this going to bring me? How am I going to make money from this? You were just leaning into how you felt. And it felt good. It felt so good. And then when I left, I I didn't want to leave. Like I just thought, oh, when can I come back? And it was only once a week. And I like, no, this is not enough. This is not enough for me, which only I think contributed to my discontent with what I was doing career-wise because now I got a taste of something that was a little bit more freeing Mm -hmm. and I thought oh I need more of that in my life and yeah so that's that 40th birthday party and having that realization about myself and knowing what my my core values were I was like wow this pottery thing I could really do something with this Mm. I could really get into this and it's a constant learning experience because it's it's ever changing. There's so many things about pottery that you can do. And there's so many creative steps that I was like blown away. I was literally blown away with the possibility of what that could bring to my life. And I thought, wow, I'll never be bored. I'll never, ever be bored with this industry and the community, the sense of community, even KW, there's so many potters here and in New Dundee, like all around us, there's a lot of people in that space. And the sense of community and right now I'm part of a studio where there's a bunch of different uh, potters there and so going in I'm learning from them so I'm just enjoying the process of of everything that it has to bring that's amazing so now I know of course that you ended up 
you know, making that more than just a hobby. So do you want to tell our listeners, you know, how long have you been, when did you leave the corporate world Mm. and, um, and how long have you been doing this? And I'm really curious to know what changes have you noticed in your sleep, your mental state, your, I'm curious about some of those things. So, Oh, okay. I'm I'm trying to, I'm giving you too much at once. So (laughs) take us back (laughs) to when did you leave and what did that feel like? And then when you started this and how is it feeling now? Yeah. So I left, I think it was like middle of last year, like summer. I can't remember exactly, but what I did was I actually went on a stress leave Mm. because I, I literally was so stressed out and my nervous system was shot and I physically was just breaking down. So I thought I need to do something immediately. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to quit at the time. I'm still kind of living in that headspace of, oh my gosh, like financially, can I even do this? Like it's a scary decision when you have that fear of not being financially stable And I'm sure a lot of people feel that. And so I thought, oh my God, I just, I'm going to go on a stress leave and just see how I feel. Mm. And I had, you know, I was working with an agency at the time was incredibly understanding and super supportive of that and mental health meant a lot. And so I was feeling like very cared for and very understood. And I I was like, okay, now I really have to figure out what the heck I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. I need to just decompress. So I, I went to counseling. Counseling was a huge part of just getting to the right headspace to make a decision because I couldn't make any decisions at that point I was so broken down and so exhausted that even just a thought of even deciding what to eat for dinner was difficult oh my god I can so relate well as you know because we follow each other on the socials and I felt the same way when I left the buzz tour I just was so burnt out and exhausted from putting so much effort into something that I once loved yeah. And it turned into something else through the pandemic. So slightly different story, but similar result, you know, is that burnout, this hustling until you broke. Yeah. And yeah. taking that time for you, I just want to commend you for doing that and for telling your listeners that you've done that because, you know, I think there's still people still have this idea that if we admit that we're going to therapy or counseling or we're getting help, that we're somehow less than. Right. And it's no. actually the opposite. Yeah, 100%. That if we're not reaching for somebody else to help guide us and pull us out of where we are and help us see and shift our mindset, we can get stuck in that space forever. Yeah, I think everyone should be going to counseling, even if you don't think (laughs) you have anything to really work on. We all have days that we just need to vent. And I honestly don't feel like putting all of that emotional burden on friends and family all the time is fair. I feel like when you are responsible as adults to work on our own stuff and we all have something we're working through and counseling has just been a savior for me in that regard. Like I've, I'm a very verbal processor. I know we talked about this earlier. I need to get it out of my body and I do it subconsciously. I don't even know I'm feeling a certain way until I speak it out loud to someone or someone asks me a question and then something comes out of my mouth and I think, oh, oh, wow. I had no idea I felt that way or I had no idea that that was happening. And it surprises me. It's honestly, um, because I've done a lot of personal development and therapy and I think, agree with you, I, I absolutely believe everybody would benefit because we have all these subconscious like, first of all, experiences, beliefs, things we think we must do, have to do, should do, people pleasing, like all these things that have been impressed on us our entire lives. Yeah. They're all in there somewhere. 
And we got our belief system from somewhere. And we got all of these ideas and this mindset from somewhere, right? And we don't often even realize what's trapped inside of us. So no. that's amazing. I'm so glad you did that. So then, so you went to counseling, you're on this leave and, and then what? And then I just finally pulled the trigger. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to say goodbye to this corporate world for once and maybe for all. I don't know. I'm open to whatever the future brings, but for now... I'm done. And I just think I don't need to look back. I don't have any guilt anymore. I've released the guilt of, like we said, like putting all the time, the money and all these years of, of crafting this career for myself that I'm just feeling like it's going to go to the wayside. No, I feel like I learned skills and I learned what I need to carry on into building a business Mm -hmm. because I was in marketing and and sales and advertising to a certain extent so it's like okay I have those skills I have what it takes to build a business now it's just a matter of doing the work and getting the work done so I don't feel like it was a waste of time at all and I don't have any guilt um, because I know those skills will carry on to whatever I do next and I'm excited for that so for me it was more of just like okay I'm starting this business. I don't know anything about the pottery worlds, but I know about marketing. So I just thought right before uh, the holidays, like last December, I think it was early November. Anyway, in November, I knew the holidays were coming up and I thought, okay, I have pottery that I've made through my classes and my courses. I'm just going to sell them. I'm just going to start an Instagram page and put them up there and only open it really to friends and family because they'll be more forgiving because my work (laughs) is still very new at that point. And you know, not a, I haven't been doing it for that long. So there's, there's imperfections anyway. So I listed all that stuff on Instagram. I posted the prices. I even was very explicit about the imperfections. (laughs) Like, you know what you're getting yourself into people, but you know, if you want to support me, great. And it was a success. It it worked so well. And I was so happy that people bought stuff. I was actually kind of surprised that it happened because when I was getting ready, I was sending my husband, I'm like, okay, I have no idea what to expect here. Like I've never done anything like this. I don't know how this is going to work. Like people are going to DM me and then they're going to have to tell me what they want. And then I'm going to have to like get the paint. Like it's just this whole process because there's no store environment. I wasn't going through an automated like Shopify type situation. So everything was manual and everything was just through communicating through DMS and it could have been a little hairy and frantic. So I was like, I have no idea what to expect. So I just need you on call in case I need somebody to like respond or do whatever. Anyway, So I get up the morning of the sale and I'm going to start posting things at 9 a.m. And I was nervous and I get everything posted on there and then it's just radio silence. And I was like, oh God, no one's buying anything. Nobody likes any of my stuff. This is horrible. (laughs) I just thought the worst, of course. And then maybe like half an hour, 45 minutes goes by and I get my first sale. And I'm like, oh my God, I got my first sale. It was so exciting. And then I get another one and another one and it just kind of kept coming. And like, it was like a couple hours of that. And I was like, oh my God, it was just this elated feeling of, I am doing something for me and I'm doing it from my heart. And it means something more than just pleasing other people. Mm -hmm. It's about pleasing myself and I'm getting emotional. That's all right. That's, you know what, you have done something that is, so hard to do and I think in this world we have been sold a lie 
that if we go out there and we bust our asses and we work hard for the money, we'll be happy. And the opposite is true. That's my perspective anyway. That's my belief. That when we actually work from the heart and we start to do what makes us feel good and how we can serve people in a way that is a gift that comes through us, the money yeah. will follow. And the trust and belief, like I'm so, I have goosebumps. I'm, I'm like, I can see the tears in your eyes. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to yeah. hold it back. But yeah, it's emotional because it's been a long time coming. Yeah. A long time. And it's a lot of, you know, I think that for anybody who hasn't been in this position yet, because I know that there's a lot of rumblings out there. There's a lot of people that are sitting in that spot that you were in when you realized how burnt out and done you were and had to take a mental health leave. Mm -hmm. There's so many people right now who are going to listen to this and resonate with that. I hope so. And I want them to hear and see that anything is possible when you lead from the heart right? Yeah. You're not doing this because I want to go out there and make money in this other way. Like sure, building a revenue for yourself and, you know, having a life outside of just creating for nothing, right? You don't want to do that. It's going to supply income to your life, but it's heart first. And I think that's where the magic is. Yeah. I know everyone's probably thinking like that, that's amazing. But for someone who's so fearful of not being financially stable, like how are you dealing with that side of things Mm. because it's one thing to lead with your heart but you also have to have a home and a car and be able to pay for groceries and all of those practical things right and honestly like it's tough it has been a transition for sure to be able to say oh okay like we have to seriously change our lifestyle and I'm not in it alone like my husband and I had to make that decision together and come up with a plan and be very strategic in terms of how are we going to move forward with this big change because we were both making really good money in our industries. He's a graphic designer too. And it's hard to say goodbye to 50% of your income, like overnight. That's a huge change, a huge shift in, in thinking of how you spend money and how you move things around. And luckily because of my upbringing, I very, I'm very savvy with finances in terms of being able to budget and being able to move things around and be flexible in that regard. So you know, props to my mom for teaching me how to deal with those types of things. Like it's come in very handy in this situation. Well, and you also face the reality of this is the paycheck that I used to bring in, but it didn't bring me fulfillment in my life. Right. And so this paycheck could give me more money and buy me more things and maybe more experiences. And I'm all about experiences, but it could pay for the things, Mm -hmm. but I'm not fulfilled. But instead you can now focus on maybe having a little less and that may be just a short-term thing. That may not be a long-term thing, but having a little less for now, but that fulfillment is worth more than the dollar value. It is abundance, right? It is, you're attracting a lot of abundance in your life. You're attracting love from, from what you're doing and how it's impacting other people and how it's helping you. It's probably improved your marriage. It's probably improved all of your relationships because now you're lighter because you're not holding on to the weight of what you've been doing before. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Everything you just said times 10, it just feels like that, that dread Mm. of getting up in the morning isn't there. It's like segment now. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to do this. 
And I even have a part-time job though, because I can't just do the pottery thing 100% right now because I am just getting started. So I did look for some part-time work. So yeah, I am working part-time and a lot of potters do that. They have some sort of regular part-time thing that they do or some other main kind of situation where they're making more money until Mm -hmm. they get their business built up. So that's my reality right now is that I'm I'm making it work. I'm doing whatever needs to happen so that, you know, if I make some money from my pottery, I'm going to put it back into the business and keep feeding that that wheel so that, you know, hopefully one day it grows into being something bigger. Like a literal wheel, actually. Like a literal <laughs> wheel, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? And it will. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if you believe in the power of intention, mm-hmm. but I believe that where we put our energy and where we put our mindset where we put our beliefs and if we believe in ourselves because we're the only ones that can really believe in ourselves fully right we Mm -hmm. have to be the one who does that for us nobody else can do that for us that you'll lean into more success and it'll show up at your doorstep you just have to keep doing what follow what like what you're following right keep following that gut keep following what feels good and uh, I think there are some big big takeaways in here for people is you know there's so much more to living than just making money And yeah, we have to find the way we have to find our means, but we can do that in a very different way than we've been told that we have to do that. A hundred percent. And I loved um, what one of your other guests said about living an eclectic life and just being open to different ways of making money and that it doesn't have to be just one thing because we're not one thing as as people. No, we have so many different sides to us and so many different talents to offer. And I really loved that. And I feel like that's who I am as well. I just have too many things to offer and I don't want to be put in a box and I don't want to put other people in boxes Mm. and say, oh, that's your thing. Because so many people identify themselves and their self-worth with their career it's like oh what do you do is the first question a lot oh of people God, ask crazy I know yeah and it's like <laughs> oh um well I'm a tour guide and I'm a potter and I like to do this and I help with you know like I don't have one thing anymore which I love and that in itself is really cool yeah and it makes you maybe a little bit more interesting to talk to you I don't know <laughs> like I'm tuning my own horn here but you know what I mean like it's not I'm not tied to my identity being my job. Oh, amen. Because I think that's the, and I just actually was talking about that the other day in my story on Instagram is that we are not what we do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We bring energy and love and interest and design to whatever it is that we create, but we are not what we do. So if we choose to do something because it feels good and then it stops feeling good, it's okay to let it go. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know why we've been sold this idea. I mean, I'm sh- I know that it's a generational collective and, you know, there's all these things that come from like history and the dynamics and, you know, immigration and like all these things that have impacted this mindset. But like, I think we're in this really fresh place in the world to help shift that. So I want to thank you for coming here and telling us your story. I am thank so you. proud of you. And I know it's not always an easy road, but it's a, it's a road of love and enjoyment and it feels great. And I'm, and I'm just so proud of you. And I would love to have our listeners be able to follow along in your journey in this pottery land that you're in. So can you tell people maybe where they, and your travel and tourism, um, (laughs) maybe you can tell people how they can reach you and I will be sure to plug those notes in at the podcast episode as well. A hundred percent. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok now. Look at me, TikTok. I'm a little old for TikTok, but you can find me on there at the handle aliciasanchez.pottery. And I also have a couple of shows coming up for my pottery as well. We have a spring show coming up at the studio I'm at. So the Corner Studio 
here in Kitchener. It's off Cedar Street and that's happening May 6th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So it's coming up. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to be in Niagara at a craft show. I forget the name of it. Oh my goodness. I'm not a good okay, you're put on the promoter <laughs> yet, but anywho, you'll have it in the details potentially um, in Niagara Falls and that's coming up in November. So that'll be a much bigger show. I'm very excited. Amazing. So good for you. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. Thank you for having me. I love you so much. <laughs> Every time I see your stuff online, I kind of cry because it just, I'm just so excited for you and just loving to see your journey and that you're so fearless like you just go after what you want and that's so inspiring it really is and I love how you're unapologetic about it and you just are authentically you and that comes through everything you do 100% (laughs) thank you you know I think that I still have fear but I push through it and I am brave Yes. and you know I think having some courage it, it doesn't mean that you'll ever be fearless it means that you're willing to do it anyway Yes. And, you know, that's what I try to do. And I try to live by that and just bring honest conversation. Let's get real already because the world is so full of fake and pretend and we must. And, you know, this neighbor has to have what that neighbor has. Yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Or I'm on this side or that side. No. Yeah. Let's just build community and live a great life. That's what I would love to see. And I want to help people see themselves in stories that we're able to share in the space. So I really appreciate you sharing yours. That's amazing. Can I mention one thing about fear before we we close up? When you mentioned that about pushing through the fear and you're always going to have fear, but it's about pushing through it, right? So even when I was young, I was a very cautious child, did not want to do anything that could remotely like injure myself or break a bone. I've never broken a bone. Thank God. Knock on wood. Um, but I was very fearful. And then when I got older and branched out, I realized like I got to, I got to be responsible for pushing through the fear as an adult. I don't want to live my life as a fearful adult in the world. And I actually went on a mission of trying to find things that would pull me out of my fear so I actually did the CN Tower walk Mm. like the thing and my husband watched from the sidelines because he was like no I'm not going out there (laughs) like have fun and I was like I had a blast doing that and I went oh our group went whitewater rafting and I remember that so vividly because I had a lot of water accidents as a child to the point where I almost drowned a couple times so I was very fearful of open water especially rapids went on this whitewater rafting trip with my friends after college. And I, by the end of the trip, I was the one guiding the raft down the rapids. Like I was <laughs> overcoming my fear and I just felt so liberated by that. And that feeling of pushing through your fear when you get through on the other side is everything. Cause it empowers you and it gives you confidence to keep doing things and keep pushing through the fear. Yeah. And you it's find amazing. proof that you can do it. And, and every yeah. time you push through fear, you find more proof that you can do hard things. Exactly. And so the more hard things you overcome, you go, well, shit, I can do that <laughs> so I can do the next thing, right? Yeah. And that's all it is. Fear is in our mind. It is made up in our own heads. We create that. Yes. And it's also up to us to fight it and push it aside and lean into our heart and our gut. So that's the way forward, right? Absolutely. Oh my God. I could thank you so many times. Listen, uh, listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. As you can tell, we could probably go on a little longer, but we'd like to give you your day back. Um, I will keep you in touch with uh, how Alicia is coming along and I will share her places to follow along in the show notes on this episode. And I just want to remind you to lean in, be brave, do the things. You know, if nothing else in the last few years we've been taught is we don't know. 
Everything is uncertain. So why not grab life by the balls or the lady balls and just do whatever it is that comes to you because you're worth it and you can do it. And Alicia is proof of that. So thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'd like to invite you to hit the subscribe button on this podcast so you'll be notified when the next one drops. And if you like this episode, please leave a review as it will help others to find this message. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at It's Me, Christine D. Or if you'd like to connect about being a guest on the show or talk to me about speaking engagements, please visit It's Me, Christine D. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.